Well, welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Rising Father podcast. I'm Chris Rodak. I've got Hutch with me from Hardpoint Training, LLC. He's a firearms coach. I met him through CrossFit. I don't do CrossFit, but my wife does CrossFit. And he's a, a badass CrossFitter in that community. So we linked up, started talking. Just at a party a couple nights ago. Had a great talk about just business and all kind of shit around a, around a campfire. So welcome, Hutch. Yeah, you looked at me like, I wish we were recording this. So I'm like, well, let's, let's do it, man. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we were having a conversation and just talking about like the struggles of, of building a business and what that's all like. And we're like, man, shit, we should have been recording this thing. There's some deep conversation happening right now. It did. It got, it got deep around the campfire. It was actually, I won't say better than being inside, but it was more productive than being inside. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it, the, yeah, there's there's flip cup and then there's talking about business. So we had, we had a good go, conversation go talk business, going. Bro. Yeah. So talk to me, but let's just start off there. So give like the listeners a rundown of like what you do, what your business looks like right now. All right, man. So I've been in the firearms game for about five, six years now. I got my start back in uh, 2018 at a little local place up in the North Hills. Um, started coach, started instructing there, man. Really kind of fell in love with it, fell in love with the scene, you know, making, taking people who've never really been around the world before, you know, introducing them to it, showing them all these different varieties of things, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. And then to take them from that and get them in the range and using it, man. And, you know, watching people go from, you know, every time they press the trigger to like they align the sights and then they, they go to press and then they close their eyes and they, they flinch really hard to like once they like get it, you see the light bulb click. Man, it's really cool. It's a really cool process. Yeah, I took a we me and my wife took a lesson yeah. with you. And un- unfortunately, we just damn business started exploding. All kind of shit. Life came happens. Up, dude. And life happened. But it's like definitely something I we both want to get back in. Well, we'll get you um, guys out into, there, man. We'll we'll film more stuff. We can do more talks on the range. We can do all kind of stuff, man. We'll get you guys out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to do that. All right. So most of your stuff right now is is it like group classes or is it one on one? So you know, I, I started at Impacts with this this group class, like intro classes every other Tuesday night, and that was kind of my forte. And then getting into that, I started getting private clients. You know, these guys and gals that mm-hmm. wanted to train a little bit beyond the classes. And that's what I really kind of fell in love with. Um, the classes are cool. It's a good way for me to get a lot of information out to uh, a good group of people in a short amount of time. But, you know, the simple way to put it, dude, is if I have 10 students, you know, we're down on the range, you're each only going to get about 10% of my attention. If you come in one-on-one, man, you get 100% of my attention all the time, and you're going to progress a little bit quicker. So hard points kind of transition from wanting to do classes, which I still do occasionally, but to more specialized private one-on-one stuff. So before we talk about the business stuff, what is your background for firearms? Like, where does the expertise come from? All right. So this is where it gets kind of funny, man. I tell people I was in the Marine Corps, right? 2008 to 2012. Um, I was just a firefighter in the Marine Corps. Nothing special. Uh, You know, I sat around an airfield all day and I waited for the president's helicopters to crash. And if they would have crashed, then I would have went to work, (laughs) man. But, you know, most of the job was being on standby, right? And you don't just get to sit around the firehouse, dude. And you don't just get to have a job of that high of caliber without just constantly training for it. So that's where the training thing kind of kicked off for me. We were always training for this job that we were all really hoping that none of us had ever had to do. Um, Because, yeah, if helicopters are crashing, people are just having bad days. So, you know, I got out of the Marine Corps, dude, and fell in love with the sport. You know, I bought a handgun, really wasn't sure about it. And the funny thing is, like, the Marine Corps didn't even really teach me to shoot handguns. I All of my pistol skill has been, quote-unquote, self-taught, self-learned, stuff like that, trial and error, a lot of, like, sucking real bad. 
to figure out how to get good at it. Um, and I wish I could have just chucked my ego aside years ago when I bought the gun. And instead of being, you know, I'm a Marine, I, I'm going to figure this out. If I would have just took a class, dude, I can only imagine how much better I would be now. Right. Mm. So okay. the, the pistol stuff has been a lot of just self-taught. And when I tell people that they're kind of astounded and they're like, well, that's kind of weird. And I'm like, well, you know, the Marine Corps is not really running around fighting wars with, with, with handguns, dude, we're using rifles and stuff. And me being a firefighter, I really only touch my rifle once a year for qualifications. So what so, made you want to dive more into that world then? I think it was the impacts thing, man. So, you know, I got out of the Marine Corps and the plan was to just become a firefighter. You know, Pittsburgh has a pretty sweet schedule. I've applied here multiple times in the Berg. I've applied down in Florida, Mississippi, Texas. I mean, all over the place, dude. And for six years, just got told no. You know, and mm -hmm. it's once I heard about this place kind of opening up, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll just shift directions here. If I can't do firefighting, I'll go do something else that I'm kind of going to want to enjoy if I'm going to do something for the rest of my life. So impacts, and when you're mentioning impacts, what is that? That's a closed business. This is where I kind of got my start, man. It was a range up in, well, quote unquote, it was supposed to be a training academy. Um, <clears throat> beautiful idea, man. It, unfortunately, it just didn't work out. Um, I think COVID had a lot to play with that. You know, the 2020, that's when impact shut down. Um, so from that kind of birth hard point. Um, when, when impact shut down, man, I was actually really bummed. You know, I'm like, fuck, you know, I finally found this job that I'm, I'm kind of all about. I'm all, I'm all in on it. I, I, I landed a salary spot there, you know, had my big boy job, all that kind of stuff. Um, and really loved it. Um, but when it shut down, my phone started ringing and it was all my private clients at that point. I think I had about, you know, 30, 40, somewhere in that, that ballpark. And they're all like, what are we going to do, man? And I'm like, well, uh, I'll figure it out. So I, I got in touch with a couple buddies. They pointed me in the direction of like a couple good lawyers, get LLCs set up, you know, take the whole business route, insurance, you know, tax stuff, all that kind of junk. And then, you know, here we are. I, I started a company in the middle of the pandemic and we're still going strong, man. That's awesome. So impacts was a weapons kind of like a, an indoor range, right? It was indoor range. It was the pro shop. So you could buy all your firearms, your accessories, your ammo there. And I mean, we, they had a full jujitsu studio with a really great instructor. Um, yeah, I remember. Brian Callum, man, unfortunately, he, he passed away recently. And that, that kind of hit everybody really hard. Uh, Brian was a really good dude. Um, they had the full on gym, you know, with the CrossFit stuff. So, I mean, you had, if you, if you kind of look at this as a serious thing, you know, I call it the little triangle. You have like fitness, you know, you got to be somewhat fit. Uh, you got the fighting aspect of it because not every situation calls for a gat and you had the firearms rated for that, that worst case scenario. So, you know, for that, that self-defense kind of protection of yourself and your loved ones and, you know, that kind of world, it was a pretty good spot. Um, unfortunately it just didn't work out, man. So, you know, I really fell in love with the gun path. You know, I still do fitness on my own. I still do some like mini training with the fighting and stuff on my own. I don't teach or instruct any of that stuff, but I just kind of, I stuck with the guns cause, uh, you know, you question yourself a lot starting a business, right? And it's it was like, am I really supposed to be doing this? Am I out of my league? This kind of stuff. You know, I've never gun fought anybody or I've never done this or never done that. But you look at it and you're like, all right, I'm a year into it and it's still going. All right, I'm a year, two years into it and it's still going. All right, I'm in my third year and it's still going. So you're like, all right, I must be doing something right. So you just keep keep rolling with it, man. So I want to dig into going from employee to business owner because that's a big transition. Dude. Like the work, flip of a switch, you were, work, yeah. you were working at Impacts as a weapons trainer. Well, you were you were doing coaching at this facility, 
And then what COVID – and I remember when they closed because around here that was like the state-of-the-art place to go. Yeah. And I even considered – because I'd go to a, to a different jujitsu gym now, but I was considering there for jujitsu, And I was going to do jujitsu there, and then they closed mm-hmm. around COVID. Yeah, so man. that happened. It closed, and then all of a sudden you're – the clients, you said 30 to 40 clients you had there started – contacting you as like how can i continue my lessons yeah and then what was what was your your mindset and your process there of going what convinced you just to start your own thing so it was it was the phone calls man you know it's like i've started this journey with these people and you know i can't just leave them hanging so i wanted to figure something out and the hardest part i think to figure out you know, the, the honestly, man, the, the guys that I got hooked up with, like starting the LLC was easy. Getting the insurance was easy. Like that stuff was pretty easy. The hard part was finding a place to do it. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of ranges allow outside organizations to come in and conduct training on their facilities. Does that make sense? So I, I did get hooked up with a buddy of mine now who we're going to dive into the night shoot stuff later. Um, he's, he's one of the, the founding fathers of this stuff um, at an outdoor place out in Cheswick, man, a nice little sportsman's club that I spent a few years at. And once I got kind of hooked up there, it was pretty good for a while. And then that kind of, that, that tank went off hill and we could, we could talk about that later if you want to, but that was just a cluster, but it, it all kind of worked out in the appropriate time because as that was falling apart, the new place that I'm at now was coming together. And, uh, you know, I was contacted by those guys, one of the guys who works there and they, they wanted me to come in. They're like, Hey, we want you to come in. We want you to do the training here. We want you to do this kind of stuff. So, and that's where I've been ever since. And that place is called Legion arms. And if anybody's familiar with like the firearms world, like out in the Pittsburgh area, it's the old Anthony arms building out in West Mifflin. Um, they got a great pro shop. Their prices are really good, right? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to float them up too big, but the prices are comparable. <laughs> I hear a lot of people say that. And right, like even in between lessons and stuff, if I'm not if I'm not teaching, I'll go up on the shop floor, man. I'll hang out, I'll talk to customers, I'll I'll put guns in hands, I'll answer questions, stuff like that. And they always have a good selection. Um But yeah, dude, it's it's been a solid place so far, a nice little home. Yeah, what I liked about our lesson with you which is pretty long, which I enjoyed. Was you had a you had a system Three hours, in place. Yeah. You know, you had you know you had a step by step process and a system in place, where it wasn't just like hand hand you the the guns or the the practice guns or whatever we were using and say just show me what you know. Mm-hmm. It was like no, do this, do this, and you had very defined rules and expectations for each part of the process, which for me is is what I need. Like I if you can if I can have a ten step process or system or plan to follow, that's something I can remember. Yeah. So I, I really like that part of what you were doing. So you bring up a very important word, man. I use the word systems a lot. So, you know, what I, what I tell people about these things is we want to develop a systematic approach for everything we do with it, right? From how we hold it, how we grip it, how we see the sights, how we press the triggers, how we, re, how we load it, how we unload it. We want to do all that stuff the exact same way every single time. You didn't get good at driving your car by driving your car 74 different ways, right? You just drove your car one way, and now the car is just an extension of you, correct? That's that's kind of the ultimate goal with this thing, man. Um, I actually compare shooting to driving a car quite a bit. You know, I tell students, I'm like, look, when you first got your learner's permit, you were probably, like, really fucking tense, hyper aware, and attendant to, you know, proper seat belt, right, adjusted all the mirrors, and you were really paying attention, right? And they go, yeah, absolutely. And I look at them, I go, do you think about driving your car now, or do you just do it? And they go. Yeah, I just do it. And I go, well, that's what we want to be able to do with the guns, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to getting back into that. 
whenever you're teaching um, anyone, you know, the private lessons or, or group or whatever it is, what do you feel like is their first hesitation to starting something like this? Or like they've never – like for me, whenever I started, it's like, yeah, I bought a handgun. I never really touched it. I didn't know what to do with it. I just felt like as a guy I should have one in my house. And then that's where we're like, okay, well, I need to, need to know how to use it, mm-hmm. which is why we called you. Um, but what's like some of the hesitations people have to getting into this whole world in the first place? They're just weird, man. They're, 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 I tell people all the time, these things are designed to do one thing, and everybody knows it. It's, it's to destroy what's on the other end of it, right? And it's, it's a big chunk of responsibility that you kind of you take on whenever you pick one of these up and you, you have it in your hands and you strap it to your body and you wear it around. Um, I think that's a big one of it. A lot of, you know, just and and honestly, a lot of uneducation, right? You know, a lot of people aren't too spun up on things. I tell people um, in classes and in training and stuff like that, I go, where do you guys like get all your, your gun knowledge from? And they kind of think about it and I go like movies and tv shows and they're like well yeah kind of sort of you know i just we just do what we see on tv i'm like yeah every bit of that shit is wrong so find a good instructor find somebody willing to sit down with you explain this stuff you can explain why all that stuff's wrong i don't know if you're familiar with the show ncis um, I know about it. I know it exists. I've seen the advertisements, but I've never watched them. I was a nut job for it, man. I love that show, right? So with that being said, I could probably make a five-hour-long PowerPoint presentation of what not to do with guns just from that show. <laughs> like, and that's that's a true story. The fancy-looking things. It's the fancy-looking things and then also just, like, some of the dumb stuff, man. Like, you know, you see a lot of people, just as, like, one example, you know, proper grip of the gun is a thing. But you see a lot of people kind of doing, you know, this, the teacup kind of method, right? Yeah. Right? Everybody sees this on TV. The the sideways shot. The sideways, right? Yeah. Hold the whole kind of. There are actually guys setting guns up like that now. I mean, I've seen guys that will take a gun. And I don't know if you're, like, you could put red dots on firearms now. Right, it's just a little yeah. glass piece that projects a red dot, and you just put the dot on what you want to go bye bye, and you press the trigger. Guys are turning the gun sideways, milling the side of the gun, and putting red dots on it, just as like a prank as a gag because of because yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, I never, th- you know, I never thought that was a the right way to do it, but you see it, you see it so much. See it quite Especially a bit. On, yeah, it's funny, and um, it's crazy as that sounds. You see people shooting like that, and you're like, keep shooting like that. Because if I ever have to gunfight you, I'm probably going to win. <laughs> what are some of the safety things that, and I remember on our class with you, we went over just tons of this, which I really loved. But what are some of the safety mistakes and concepts people should know? Like if, you, if you're if you listening to this, you've got a gun at home, but like, like me, you don't practice with it a lot. You don't use it a lot. Or you're considering buying your first one. Like what are some of the, I guess a first question, good question would be, what are some of the safety mistakes that people make Let's dive right into safety then man check me out if you guys go to my website 412 firearmstraining.com you can click on the safety rule tab up top and it will pull up all four of the firearm like the fundamental firearm safety rules and these aren't prevalent to any big organization these are just the rules if you own a gun man um and simply put rule number one is you always treat every firearm as if it's loaded even if you know that it's not man because if you always treat it if it's loaded you're not going to do dumb shit with it does that make sense uh you got Weapon safety rule number two, right, which is always keep the gun pointed in a safe direction, right, away from anything you're not willing to, like, destroy, buy, you know, stuff like that. The third one being you're going to always keep your finger straight and above the trigger guard. This is where some people kind of mess up, right? They see this, right? And that's 
and that's kind of a thing. And in training, I explain why this is a bad thing. But we always want to be up and above the trigger guard until we've just aligned the sights and we've made the conscious decision to shoot the gun. And the four safety rule is always identify your target, man. You got to know what you're shooting at and you want to observe its foreground and its background, meaning you want to know what's going on in front of you and the target, like between you and the target and what's going on behind the target. And primarily, you should also know what's kind of going on around it. Um, but some of like the safety things that you'll see right off the bat, I will say to a new shooter, take your finger off the trigger a million times, right? Because it's it's not ingrained yet, right? If I come up onto a target and I align my sights, I come onto the trigger and I can press the trigger. But I know as soon as I'm done, I'm going to take my finger off the trigger and then I can bring the gun down. Most new shooters, man, they just kind of shoot and they'll just come down in here, right? And it's is it the worst thing in the world, you know, as a new shooter? No, but we want to ingrain good habits just from the get-go, man. Simply put, if you're not shooting the gun, you shouldn't be touching the trigger, right? The other kind of one that you'll see is if somebody's really unprepared for the shot, really has never kind of done this stuff before, and you can kind of read people. You can read people as they're coming in. You can tell if they're, like, anxious, if they're excited, if they're scared, right? You can kind of get a judge off of them just talking to them before you go in. Um, People will kind of shoot and then either be super excited or super scared, and they'll just kind of, like, swing with the gun and just start kind of going crazy ways with it. So... You know, anybody who starts coming to train with me, man, I'm kind of on you like a hawk a little bit, especially if I tell you're a little nervous, I'm going to be right over your shoulder, right? So if you go to swing any which way, I can kind of just like lock on you and be like, nah, let's, let's keep it this way. Um, but once you start, you know, getting the rules down, getting your habits down, getting your systems down for nice, safe, efficient ways of doing this stuff, uh, you see me start backing off, right? And I will back away from the student, get a better overall look, and we can really start diagnosing what's going on. That's the biggest job as, as an instructor, man. You just want to figure out what these people are doing wrong. How long does it take someone to get comfortable with it to where you can kind of back off, giving them a little more freedom? Everybody's different. Some people will literally pick it up like within the first two hours, man. Um, other people just require a little bit more guidance, uh, a little bit more time. And once they get it down, you know, you just kind of back off, let them do your thing. That's why I yeah. like the private approach as well, man, because it's one-on-one. So you, you gain trust a little bit quicker. It's much easier for me to kind of keep eyes on and maintain and teach one person versus having 10 students in a class. Is it unmanageable? No, but I like the private approach better. Right, let's dig a little bit into the, into the business stuff. Cause that's, um, it's having some good conversation and it's, it's really interesting cause there's so many people who see themselves not working the job they are or they're in a job they don't like and just the the idea of starting a business is really terrifying you know it's and the fear of that kind of keeps them stuck for a long time whenever you first started yours because you were working at a, a, a facility as an employee then they got shut down then you're forced to make a decision and you could either like go work for another place or you could just start teaching your own clients what was some of the I guess, resistance or obstacles or mental hurdles you had to push through because that's what, that's what stops people. It's, it's not even the logistics. It's not even finding the lawyer and all that kind of stuff. It's like the fear, the doubt, like what are some of the, can you identify any of those thoughts? The fear of failure, dude, just like every other human being on the face of the planet, right? Everybody's kind of afraid to fuck up. And the, the last three, four years of this business, man, what I've kind of learned is I, and it's going to sound weird, but I love to fuck up. 
because you learn what not to do and then you can adapt and make it better if you know if it's a, if it's sort of a thing that's kind of working and taking off or if it's not working at all you just ditch it and don't do it anymore um but you know kind of rolling into the business man i think one of my biggest hurdles is probably a thing as like a veteran right you know you you hear stories and i've talked to a few guys where it's like oh if you didn't you know serve combat tours and do all this kind of you know ninja military shit you shouldn't be teaching anybody um I forget who it was or where I read this thing, but I, I read something one time and it, it hit and it clicked and it kind of got me over that mental hurdle of like, you know, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this because I'm yeah. not, I'm not a combat vet or anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. It might've been in like an instructor forum. You know, I follow a bunch of them on social media and stuff like that. Um, but it said, you know, just because you serve combat tours doesn't mean you can teach. Right. And I think a big part of this business is, being a people person, man, you have to relate to these people a little bit and kind of get into their mindset of why they're doing this. Um, you know, once you understand their why, it also helps me plan the lessons and the training uh, to kind of help them to reach their goals and what they're trying to achieve. Um, you know, but on the other side of that coin, you know, if you're not a combat vet and you still suck at teaching, you still suck at teaching. So it's kind of the imposter syndrome. I guess, yeah, that would be a good way of describing it, yeah, right? I'm in a place yeah. where I feel like I shouldn't be, but, you know, the years of still doing this and it's still working, you know, you just kind of you accept. You're like, all right, man, I guess you got this. Let's just keep rolling with it. Yeah, and I think if you talk to – I talk to tons of coaches, and a lot of them are high-level high business coaches, and from these guys, you know, multimillionaire guys who run companies, they all have the same fears, and that is someday I'm going to be figured out. Some someday people are going to find out that I'm really not qualified to do the thing that I, and it's just a made up story they have in their head. Yeah. But they choose to do it anyway. That's mm -hmm. the only difference is if you're, you know, considering starting anything like a podcast, a blog, uh, anything. You just you think about the thing you want to do, and then you have that voice in your head. And it's like, oh well, my cousin might at the next you know bar mitzvah say, well, how why are you qualified to do that? And you're just making up these stories of people tearing you down, and I even go through that too. Yeah. Even when I when I post things on social media, it's I the thought comes to my head that I now quickly dismiss is well, what if someone sees this and they say this to you? Like just that, everyone has that thought of like this just random judgment coming to you. And sometimes yeah. that can guide you appropriately, but most of the time it can just keep you stuck in place because of fear, and you just don't want to make any progress in your life because mm -hmm. of these imaginary voices telling you that you're not qualified. But I love that you said you just you love to fuck up because unless you have that attitude, you're not going to try anything. Gotta you have to here. you have to be willing to fuck up and fail, and you have to be willing to try anything. Absolutely, because if you're not willing to fail, man, you're just going to remain where you're at. And I get for some people like you know if, if if you're cool with that jive of the nine to five grind and you're happy with life and you're married and you got the kids and you know and that's your thing and you're genuinely happy, like fuck it, man, I'm good with that. Uh, there's just others on the planet who, who want to drive, who want to push a little bit harder, who have the time and availability to kind of kind of grind and make something like this happen. Um, and we shouldn't be held like, you know, in a bad light for that. Yeah. And I mean, there's like, thank God we have people who do love their jobs, you know, and, you know, good at it. Like my wife's a teacher. She loves teaching. She's a she's a great teacher. So she's like she she loves what she does. Yeah. And if, if some if at some point she wants to stop and do her own thing, I would hundred percent support that too. But like everyone the goal isn't 
wealth or entrepreneurship or whatever, like the goal is fulfillment for, in my eyes, it's, I can get do you, are you, are you doing what makes, what gives brings you peace, what brings you fulfillment and what you're meant to do? Like, how are you meant to impact the most amount of people? Mm -hmm. And if that is you working any type of job, then great. Then continue doing that. If that, if your path takes you away from that, like yours did, like mine did from quitting that and adjusting and pivoting, that's okay too. And also, you don't have to stick with what you do forever. Nope. Like just because you started a job when you're 21 doesn't mean you're at 55 or 65. You have to, you have to die with that same job. I mean, you, your your life can take many different arcs. Kind of what you're up doing with that. that. Your your yeah, business can take the same approach, right? You don't even have to stay in the same business. You could pivot, pick another business, go that route. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Over this last year. I've been looking at other ventures, you know, not in the firearms world, not anything like that, but definitely other ventures to, to start setting up. I'm going to use that term, like that generational wealth type deal, man. You know, I, I don't want to just set myself up and my kids up. I want to set up like the next four generations, five generations of Hutchinson's. That's kind of a driving force, a goal for me, especially my brother's got a baby due in like two weeks. Right. So that one, that's the first one, first little baby popping out, dude. So like, it makes it a little bit more real. You're like, all right, well, we're going to continue this family on. We're going to continue this name. Let's, let's make it something. Let's make it a household name kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And you can't, it's hard to do that if you're stuck in certain circumstances. Like if you are, if you're at a job that is where your income is a ceiling, you know, you have your mm -hmm. option. If you're not willing to do a side hustle or, or start a business, your income is limited by the amount that people are giving you. You know, just the time you put in. Selling it's your time, time to money. The yep. time, exactly. It's a time to money connection. But if you're if you if you do decide to start a business, like the upside is you have that exponential potential. It doesn't mean you're going to make money. Mm -hmm. It means that there's at least the there the chance. There's the potential that you could that make a lot more money. And it's tied to the effort you put in, right? Like it's tied. To the, it's tied to. The, then you can get paid more for your time. Not that it's a little bit of time. Like you're definitely like. Are you working hard right now as a business owner? Twenty four seven, dude. I feel like literally, it's from the time my feet hit the ground until I go to sleep. I'm I'm doing something related to Hardpoint. It's always up here. It's always rolling around. It's who do I have lessons with this week? Who do I need to text and confirm? Who do I need to follow up emails with? I mean, it's it's always a grind, man. Especially with you know, being in, going in, you know, your four business, uh, the, the grind's picking up, dude, the pace is picking up. I'm, I'm getting more clients. I'm getting more emails. I was just talking to the girlfriend about it the other day. You know, I went from when I started this, like one email from the website every, you know, two weeks to I'm getting two, three emails a day now. People awesome. are just interested in training, man. And, and it's that's the other side of this coin with what I do, right? What's what's happening in the world right now? Like stuff's plummeting, dude. Everybody's freaking out. So like if that stuff happens, like my business picks up, which is kind of I don't know if mean, but it it's just the way it is. What do you mean by that? Can oh, you dig dude, into that more? Everybody's just worried about political climate, you know, this war, that war, this is going on, inflation's going up, this is happening over here. Um that's like one of the, actually the very first question I ask a brand new student of mine, I, I ask them their why I go, you know, what made you wake up one day and go, I need to go buy a gun. I need to get some training. And there are the onesies and twosies that, you know, something bad has happened to them. 
and they're there to kind of prevent that from ever happening again. There are the select very few that are like, well, you know, I want to kind of take a proactive approach to this. You know, I'm, I'm turning 21. I want to get my first handgun. I want to know what I'm doing with it and that kind of thing. Um, so those are like your proactive, reactive people. You got come people that come in because, you know, they want to get good at it. And you got people that come in because something has already happened and has went bad. Um, and then you have like this whole other group of individuals that I'm classifying as just like the world's fucked up. Because no matter what answer they give me, when you boil it all the way down, I just kind of look at them. I go, so the world's a little screwed up. And they go, yeah. And I go, all right, let's let's go. Let's get let's get to training. Come on. So if you're a guy, should you have a firearm at home and know how to use it? I looked at an ATF agent in his face yesterday and I said, dude, it is America 2023. If you are not rolling around with a firearm, you're fucked up. <laughs> and I, I know that sounds crazy, right? And that's not like a. I don't want anybody to kind of take that as like I'm walking around and I'm beating my chest because I always have a gun on me. You just don't know anymore, man. You really don't. Right. And if if you have the ability to be able to kind of defend yourself with these means, as we do here in this country, like why? Why wouldn't you want to take advantage of that? What are the potential situations that you see that um, this would that that would be necessary? Like what? Give me some situations, everyday situations. I guess not every day because it wouldn't be every day. But give me some situations where it would be. Or that you have known where some, they would, someone would need to have a, an, you know, a firearm on them, or that some, maybe if you're just a guy listening to this, you just you're not thinking of that you that you think about every day. So here's here's my approach to training, right? And I know this is I, everybody gets mad at me when I kind of answer this. I I stay away from legal stuff, right? I look at this thing as a tool, right? And if this is a tool that you're going to choose to kind of have around and use to kind of defend yourself with, um you need to take on the responsibility to go talk to a lawyer or, you know, the USCCA or something along those lines, because I'm neither of those. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. I'm not jury. I'm not executioner. I'm not any of that stuff. Once you grab one of these, man, anything with these, if we start talking about the legal world, it's all a bunch of gray areas. And I don't feel comfortable passing out like, well, if this situation happens, then, you know, you options X, Y, Z or ABC. Um, the way I look at this thing is, is I want to make you so good with it. Um, if any situation ever arises and you feel like you're getting to the point where you might need this thing. And I guess to kind of just, I'll give you a little bit of a kind of example. Here's what I kind of tell my students, man. You should be prepared for everything from like a homeless guy with a flathead fucking screwdriver trying to stab you a bunch of times to like four or five dudes walking into a mall with rifles and kit and, and magazines and like actively murdering people because that's a reality now, right? That that's happening. So if those are your, you got a big slew of stuff in between there. And if those are kind of what you're kind of preparing for, you should just be really good with this thing. So if any of that stuff is happening, you can take in the information being provided to you and make a good decision. Like, do I need to draw and shoot this guy or is there exit door right there and i can just leave right um i don't want you to have to think about what i said on how to like grip the pistol and how to like you know do this with the pistol does that make sense i want you just so subconscious with this thing that everything else you're taking in that information right because a lot of people will talk about like a um a trained response versus like an emotional response and honestly, like if you're talking about like a mass shooting kind of deal, you're going to have a lot of people responding, what, emotionally, man. They're going to be scared. They're going to be people bolting everywhere. Um, 
But if you're going to train, man, and you're going to carry a gun, you need to you need to start taking that training approach to it, you know. And there's a lot more that just goes into it than getting good with the gun, too, right? We got to start talking about like your mindset. I tell people like I can turn you into the best flat range shooter ever, right? We'll we'll make little little holes, fifty rounds stacked in one little little itty bitty hole, or you know we ramp up pace of shooting, we spread them out, nice little six inch groups, type deal, five six inch groups. But I was like, if you don't have the mindset, none of it's going to matter. Right, because if you get into that situation, you just lock up and freeze. You locked up and froze. Yeah, that's and that's terrifying to think about having it, to do it that, is, man. Yeah, it is. I, I've been carrying a gun every day since I bought it. Right, since I bought my gun at 21 years old, I've been carrying it every day. And you know, you, you're learning to get better at ways of carrying it. Out. Just for example, man, I started. Literally, like, so this is like a duty kind of safari land. You'll see a lot of cops and stuff wearing these. But I started with a really cheapy, like, outside the waistband version of holsters, right? So meaning, when I wore it, people could see it. And in Pennsylvania, that's totally legal, right? You can open carry a firearm and don't need a permit, right? Totally cool. Um, But what I noticed, man, is people just stare at you a lot. Everybody kind of is just, like, waiting for the other shoe to drop, thinking that you're going to shoot the place up. So, man, I finally, like, just spent the 20 bucks and went down and got a carry permit, which just allows me to take my shirt and put it over the gun now. And So you're allowed in PA to carry it on the outside of you? Yep, you're allowed to open carry in Pennsylvania. Yep. Yes, you are. Okay. Now well, you're just you... getting people are looking at you like, oh, my God, uh, there's dude, a gun. Yeah, as soon as, as soon as anybody, if you walk into, like, a Rite Aid or a grocery store, you know, whatever, man, it's, yeah. it's not like I'm expecting a gunfight at the grocery store, man. It's just I'm expecting if something goes weird. I'm a little bit more prepared than everybody else, but people. Well, it's kind of like why I do jujitsu, and it's not like I'm expecting to get into fights every day. It's, it's you feel more confident and strong, and you feel you're less anxious in anxious situations. Yes, yes, and that's what that training does, man. Because you know why you feel less anxious in those situations is because you have shit to resort back to, right? So when we talk about in the training world, my buddy Mike uses this analogy. Um, tools for your toolbox man my buddy is a really good like defensive tactics kind of fighting instructor and he just teaches you a bunch of different stuff to use in any given situation right it's not like hey you're gonna you're gonna throw a one two and then you're gonna go to this inside clinch and then you're gonna take them down and then you're gonna do this no it's just here's how to do an inside clinch here's how to roll from an inside clinch to an outside clinch to a takedown to holds and it's just all these different tools for your toolbox so whenever you know something goes wrong your little filing cabinet of tools light up and your brain goes, which one do I need? And you just take out which one you need and you can conduct that movement with a little bit more confidence because you know you trained it. Um, so now you carry a gun, but on the inside, right? I carry, yeah, closer. concealed, man. And if you're, I tell my students, I'm like, open carry is for attention, concealed carry is for protection. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, it seems like the, the better way to go. And and it's, it's kind of like a mentality thing too because I think about my mentality like when I was carrying openly right when i first bought my handgun i sucked with it dude right i was terrible Mm. and it 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 blew my mind because i'm like dude the marine corps taught me how to hit shit at 500 yards with iron sights right and here i am i can't hit this little thing at five yards with a pistol yeah i was blown away by how bad i was with the handgun it dude handguns are tricky man so like if you master one and you get good at it it's like a cool little thing like yeah i'm pretty good with a handgun because most of the population is not these are these are really weird beasts to tame and kind of learn how to shoot, um, but yeah, man. Inside the waistband, concealed carry. You know, here I actually have my little carry gun right here. That's just a little Glock 19 with a red dot and a flashlight on it. 
and it's an inside the waistband. So this thing like tucks into my pants and then these little, these little clips here just clip around my belt. And it honestly just lives right up here on my little, you know, right at my 12 o'clock, right pretty much on my, on my stomach. What are the, the laws in other parts? Do you know the laws like vaguely or generally or specifically in other I tell parts of students, the country? Yeah, man. So there's, you know, the USCCA has pretty good uh, information on this stuff. They have what's called a reciprocity map. So you can jump on their website and you can go, I got a concealed carry in Pennsylvania. Go. And it pulls mm-hmm. up a, just a map of the United States okay. and it tells you where you're good where you're not, where you got, where you are good, but with some restrictions and stuff like that, man. So that's a really nifty little tool to use if you're going to travel from state to state with it. And if you are going to travel with a firearm state to state, make sure you look up the laws and figure out how to transport that thing without, you know, getting in trouble. Yeah. And then we've got a lot of listeners, I think our second most um, uh, country that people listen to the second most is australia and then canada ah. and then the uk would you know any of the other countries what it's like over there i know australia had the gun ban right they they gave oh, up all their right. stuff they, like they, a while ago right i guess that is pretty strict huh yeah yeah no more no more gas down there canada i know trudeau just did like a whole ban on like you know a couple months ago like import of handguns sale of uh, handguns all kind of shit like that man it's it's getting weird did they do you know specifics of that do they take away everything I don't know the specifics, man. Honestly, I try not to involve myself with the specifics because it was keeping me up at night. Here's what I've learned about people in the gun lobbies with the gun rules and the gun laws. They're going to do whatever they want. That's that's pretty much the gist of it. They're going to kind of constitute whatever little laws they're going to try to constitute. And they're just going to try to keep moving that, that, that post just one inch at a time. And, you know... with me saying all this, I, I don't believe like any sort of like full stale confiscation is coming to the United States. Uh, but what I do think they are going to try to do is just outprice it, right? If you can afford it, then yeah, you can you can shoot guns. But like we're I, I talked to a couple of buddies in the ammo industry, man, and like every four years, like clockwork, ammo skyrockets, right? Because the political climate gets weird. The election happens. Everybody starts stockpiling ammo and stuff like that. So prices score. Uh, demand source supply goes down because everybody's just stockpiling stuff uh, so if you're if you got some firearms and you're in the united states i would i'd start looking for some ammo and, and stocking that stuff up because it's going to start disappearing soon and if you do find it it's going to be just astronomically expensive yeah and so all this this whole global climate is kind of good for business i would assume right it sucks man, you yeah for yourselves yeah for yourselves dude <laughs> But at the same time, you know, it's, yeah, there's stuff happening, but it's also just like learning how to defend yourself or anything. It's good just to have that safety net of it's that's the other side of knowing the coin, that right? you can handle yourself if something does happen. Exactly. Right. That's the other side of that coin. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here saying like all the political climb is happening. Everybody's scared. But like once you buy a gun and you get pretty good with it and you carry it every day, right, all that stuff just kind of melts away because you're like, I know it's not directly affecting me. I can just still go carry about my daily activities and that kind of stuff and conduct my day. Uh, but I'm just a little bit more prepared than if, if some stuff does happen to go down. I don't know. The FBI just raised the terror alert at home. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. What'd they do? They raised the terror alert at home here in the United States. I think I read a passing headline about it, but it was, yeah. it was in the middle of doing something else, and then I just remembered it when he just said that. You're like, so oh, not what important. happened? Yep, get get past it. And that's just kind of where I'm at with it, man. It's not like I don't care about terrorists coming over the border at the southern border right now, with along with cartel members and a bunch There's of other too people. Much, I mean, you could 
you could spend your entire day worrying about things to worry Literally. about. Literally, yeah, 100%. And get nothing done and nothing. affect and affect no one and nothing because you're worrying about it. Mm -hmm. like if, if I read every headline and know, knew every single person that was killed or every or everything that happened, nothing would, nothing would affect anyone. I would get nothing done. Then I wouldn't be able to actually help people, mm -hmm. which is my job. Like yep. me worrying about shit that doesn't matter. or I mean, not that doesn't matter, but shit that I have no control over. 100%. There's nothing for my ability to help people. The, the, the puppets around the world will play their games, man. They'll move their chess pieces. They'll have their wars. They're, they're just going to do that. That's what they've been doing forever. So, you know, let them do that. Um, and just go about your day, guys. I feel like there's a line between being prepared and training for weapons and doing that kind of stuff and being the full prepper. Like paranoid. Paranoid guy, which I used to work with a guy like that who, man, this, every time you talk to him, the world was ending. He knew every single headline, every, you know, every single thing. It just It got to the point where talking to him was a chore and just like nod your head. You can't, it's exhausting to talk to those guys because it's just – that you know every single negative headline they bought in 1000%. Like they clicked on that article, they sent the ad money to Google. Like they they, they got their emotions, every man. single yep. clickbait article, they are they're giving Google money. Yep. And it's just like and then you know he has like 30 guns at home. He's got a, a whole warehouse of of ammo and just like went full deep end. It's like there's that, then there's also just making sure you're ready if something happens and having yeah. peace of mind. Being prepared. Having a plan, dude. Having a plan is going to serve you better than having 30,000 rounds of ammunition and, yeah. and 800 guns and a warehouse full of this and a warehouse full of that and an underground bunker over there. Like, having a plan is going to serve you a lot better. Not just having a plan, dude, but, like, you know, if we're talking like that kind of level event, you're going to need a network of people, right? You think you're just going to survive the apocalypse by yeah. yourself? Good luck. And part of it, I, I also think, is like nothing else is going on in your life, so you have to obsess yourself with one thing that takes up all of your time. And there's a certain kind of person who really wishes the world would collapse like that yeah, because they have nothing else going on. And if and there's if no happens, order, if yeah. it's chaotic, then they can – yeah, then they don't have to worry about setting goals and waking up early and going to the gym and eating healthy because yep. they're going to die anyway. You know, yep. It's like I can live the boring, disciplined, consistent life and go towards goals – or hey, I can be a you know I can be this crazy prepper, and the world could end tomorrow, and then I don't have to worry about any of that shit. <laughs> and like, check it out, man. If you want to prep, I'm not talking shit on it. Go ahead and do your prep, but at some point, like the prep has to end, right? You can't just continuously keep prepping for this event that may or may not ever happen, right? Yeah, I don't have Set anything to get prepping as well. Plan. I think some of that shit's really cool. I'd love to have an underground bunker. 100%, I'm talking right? about the guy who like. He's obsessed with oh. it, you know, like the obsessed guy. All the guys that are guy. stockpiling ammo and driving up prices for everybody else like us. Yeah, those guys. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. The ones who that's – you go – you know, it's the uncle at the at Thanksgiving. That's the only thing he talks about. The, the funny like, part about hey, this. Hey, how, how was this weekend? He's like, oh, well, no. no. Just, you know, he just goes well, straight me, into that let story. Let me tell you what you happened down. this weekend. Yeah, exactly. I, I used to be that guy like big time, man. I've I've had to like really step away from that because it you you like me being prior military and stuff. Like I pay attention to the world, right, and what's going on in it. And at some point, you're just like, ah, I'm I'm good with the world, man. It's fine. It'll it'll it's either exhausting. Burn, it'll either burn itself down or it won't. Whatever. Yeah, and like, what is your ability to have an effect on what's happening? Like, what is your priority of of impact? That's how that's my what's judgment your plan? is. Yeah. If I'm worried about this shit 24-7, 
what am I going to be like to my wife? What am I going to be like to my kids, to my employees, to my friends? I'm going to just going to be that stressed out, anxious, annoying dude who show, who at his most important jobs shows up as his worst self. Yep. When in reality, you worrying about this has no effect on anyone. But it does. It has a negative effect on the people around you. On you and but you're not having any you. positive impact. Mm-hmm. No. And that's like I said, man, I've had to really kind of step back from that stuff. And, and the business has helped because it, it keeps you occupied. It keeps you busy. You have you have purpose again, and that's like a big thing I think for a lot of veterans. Man, you get out of the military, you're still with such a massive purpose at 18, 19 years old. And yeah. there's like I'll use my example. I applied for a job at FedEx, and I got told I wasn't qualified to drive a van, right? But I had when I was in the Marine Corps, dude, I drove fire trucks, tankers, rescue vehicles, like all these massive vehicles, but I couldn't drive a van. So like you lose that sense of purpose. So like when you lose that sense of purpose, you're looking for another one. And I think I started like finding it in that, like, Oh, you know, well, the world's going to end and this is all going to happen. And da, 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 da. And then you do, you recognize it. you're like, well, I'm kind of miserable to be around. Nobody really wants to be around me. Yeah. And it clicks. And you're the- like, well, maybe I am the problem. And you're like, maybe it is all this stuff that I'm ingesting and that I'm consuming. Maybe I need to take a step away from that for a little bit and kind of clear my head and get a, get a path for myself. Yeah, and if you're that guy, you probably it's you don't see yourself as that guy, but you try to pick up the clues because I feel bad for that guy. And the the guy I'm thinking of is so far in the deep end, he just he doesn't know it. But whenever as soon as he's done talking to a group of people, everyone's like, "My God, well that guy shut up!" Like you don't understand that you're that guy who's just so far down the the hole. It's all you talk about, you know. The world it's just calamity after calamity. The world's gonna end, but man, like no, eventually. Like no one wants to talk to you. Yeah. No one's gonna. No one's gonna believe you. Everyone just thinks you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Like have a healthy fear and be prepared. You know, but yeah, but just be aware. Don't allow yourself to become that guy. It's funny. Most of the guys like we're kind of talking about right now and that I interact with, dude. They they talk about it and they're like, yeah, well, I'm, you know, I got the, I got the guns, I got the ammo, I got the food, and you look at it and you're like, yeah, but can you run a hundred meters without like having a heart attack? <laughs> I got a hundred thousand dollars of equipment. Right. I got all. And that's, you know, money doesn't buy you skill, bro. It doesn't. Money can buy you training and training can buy you skill. But just because you go out and you buy, let's just let's go Gucci, man. You buy a three thousand dollars Takata. You put a eight hundred dollar Trigicon optic on and a three hundred dollar fancy flashlight. You buy all the fucking holsters and the race belts, you know, a couple hundred more dollars there. And before you know it, you got five, six thousand dollars worth of shit and a handgun. But you fucking suck with a handgun. And speaking of high price items, I wanted to talk about these night shoots to pivot uh, to uh, that. We can do fun, that. Fun stuff you can do with Here, guns. stand by. Give me a second, bro. Give me one second. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, man. We got the East Coast night shoot coming up November 10th and 11th. You boys are in the area. It's up in Ohio. Eastcoastnightshoot.com. You can check out what the event's about and grab some tickets. So what – um. What is what is a night shoot? Because whenever you talk to me, I didn't think this was even a thing. I didn't know people did this. Yeah. I didn't know people were going on weighted hucks and weighted rucks in the middle of the night right yeah. by my house. I was like, yep. what's going on? This is a cool world. Talk to me about it. Stuff's getting weird, man. So, yeah, dude, one thing that's becoming <laughs> immensely popular in the firearms world is all of your cool night vision stuff, right? I got, you know, my brother's set up, man. You know, my brother bought the helmet. He bought a set of tubes. And uh, graciously allowed me to use them for the event coming up, man. But it's cool that I have this stuff here that I'll be able to show it off. But it is becoming a thing, man, because, you know, in reality, it's dark half the time, right? And if the world collapses or society fails or whatever, and you got to do some night ops, night vision might be a good kind of deal to have, man. 
Um, it does allow you to see at night really well. There's thermal devices. There's all kinds of stuff like that. And it's funny because this night shoot, it's more of an event, right? Which is some open range time. But these events, dude, allow you to come out, check out all the latest gear in the industry, check out night vision. You know, if you're thinking about making that investment, man, this stuff's not cheap. You know, this set of tubes right here in this box was about $10,000. Holy so, crap. Yeah, without, you know, having to make a big $10,000 investment, you know, if you're going to like this stuff or not, this is the ability for you to come out, check it out, see if it is for you, check out a bunch of different tubes check out a bunch of different options uh meet a bunch of cool people in the industry man and you know if you're not doing all that other stuff the ranges are open come on down we'll load some mags and we'll shoot some stuff too man that's kind of my deal so, down there so if you go to this event what, what what should you expect what are you going to be doing all right so this day this this year it's a two-year man so you're gonna have if you're gonna camp out uh make sure you get yourself a camping spot bring some tent bring some sleeping gear uh i definitely bring some cold weather gear it's probably gonna be chilly this year um, they always are pretty cold. Uh, the reason we do these things in the wintertime versus the summertime is we just have more dark. Um, the place we're doing the East Coast at doesn't have a, you know, you got to stop shooting at a certain time. But most places kind of do. And I know the one place that we use local runner, we have to be done shooting by 10. So if we tried to do these in the summer, man, it would, just, it would be pointless to get a couple hundred dudes together for an hour. Um, but you, you're going to want to bring all that stuff. Bring whatever rifles you have. If you don't have any night vision and say you have like rifles, pistols and stuff with, you know, the flashlights or the white lights on them, you can 100% bring those and shoot those at night as well. Because, you know, most people when they, they train with their firearms, they never train for night, man. It's always an indoor range or it's an outdoor range during the daytime. The indoor range is really well lit and all that kind of stuff. And they might have the flashlight on the gun, but they don't really practice like getting it up turning it on, getting up on target with it. Um, when we start talking about lights, it's like a very wax on, wax off mentality, right? You don't want to be the guy who just like turns the light on and leaves it on because if I'm a bad guy, what am I going to shoot at? I'm just going to shoot at that light. So it's a, so, you, you learn to kind of operate it when you need it, turn it off when you don't need it, move in between that kind of stuff. Um, but the night shoots, yeah, they're not so much a training event as they are just to come on out and have a good bit of fun. So you'll need rifles, you'll need your pistols, everybody keeps asking how much ammo to bring we're like be a man bring it all right so hmm. you know if you bring like 60 rounds for your rifle and your pistol for the whole weekend you're going to be really bored right so go get some ammo come on down we'll run you through a bunch of different like setup courses um each range is going to have a safety officer on it floating around um, what do you mean a course is it, is it like target shooting or what would a course look like so we have an open range which is essentially just a 100 yard flat range right so there is a firing line an established firing line and it, it, in the daytime it's marked by like rope and at nighttime we mark it with chem light so you know nobody kind of knows to go in front of that stuff but you can kind of just walk up to that you can load on the line there's a bunch of different targets and steel and stuff that you can just kind of openly shoot do your own thing and then before you step offline you just unload you clear the gun out uh and a, so yeah, a safety officer comes by clears you out visually inspects that it's empty and then uh, you're clear to step offline so at these events you know if you're not actively shooting, we call it a cold range, though everybody is unloaded, right? And the only time you're going to load the gun is when you come up to actually, like, do your shooting. Um, along with that 100-yard flat range, there's going to be the, I think, the 900 or 1,000-yard, like, unknown distance range. So they'll have a bunch of different targets from, you know, uh, four or five, however many, wherever they're going to start setting them up, like, out to, like, nine or 1,000 thousand yards, 900 or 1,000 yards. And with that stuff, you'll have a lot more of the long guns, your 
don't know if you want to call them sniper rifles or whatever. Um, but with those, you're going to have like clip on thermal devices, which will allow you to see like heat signatures and things like that. You're going to get to check out all kind of cool stuff. And then on top of the, the unknown distance range, you're going to have a couple pistol bays that will have like courses of fire set up. So, you know, most people kind of correlate shooting a gun with like going into the range, standing in their little box and, you know, doing some shooting and then they're done. No, you're going to come up, you're going to load and you're going to like move to this window and you're going to shoot a couple targets through the window and then you're going to move over to this little wall and you're going to move around the wall and shoot some stuff around the wall. And it's, it's a little bit more dynamic than just your typical flat range kind of stuff. By no means is it anything high speed, right? Because we get people that, you know, can do this stuff really well and they come out and they burn the course down and they're safe and, you know, they understand all the rules and it, it all works. Uh, and then you have guys that have never done anything like this before, man, and they just require a little bit more guidance. So as they're kind of going through it, I just got like a hand on their shoulder and I'm just kind of walking them through it, right? So you got guys that burn it down real quick. You got guys that are, you know, totally new to this. So you got a whole variety of people that show up to this stuff, man. So it's a really good time. If you're interested in any have, sort of night stuff, man, come check it out. And they have night vision stuff there for you to use. Dude, you're going to talk to so many people who they all have tubes. They all have this. You have questions on anything. Just go talk to them. Most of these guys, man, if, you know, because, you know, having the night vision just isn't enough, right? So you buy the, you buy the, let's put the tubes out real quick. Boom. So you buy the set of tubes, right? The night vision tubes. Uh, and then you got to buy the helmet. And then you got to buy the mount for the tubes, right? And then you got to buy the battery packs and you got to buy all the other stuff for it. So this stuff gets expensive really quick. And then on top of that, you have stuff that goes on your firearms that helps make this stuff work too, man. So you're talking about all these different IR lasers, these IR lights that are on these rifles and handguns. And you're talking another couple thousand dollars for these things. Um, so if you're interested in this stuff, man, and these guys have this, most of these guys will just let you run their stuff. You know, hey, man, I saw you have these 1531s with this sweet IR laser that I was thinking about getting. Do you mind if I try it out? And as long as you have ammo, most of the time the dude's just going to be like, yeah, man, here you go. Give it a whirl. Go try it out. So how much would like a total setup cost? I mean, you can get into this stuff anywhere. So like this set of night vision, these are PVS 1531s, I think. And, like, I'm still not even really all spun up to date on, like, all the gear and the gizmos and the gadgets, right? I tell people I'm not very gear-oriented. I'm very training-oriented. I, I don't care what you have. How well can you use it? But, I mean, you can get, like, a PVS-14, which is, like, a single tube. Um, I guess you could kind of call it, like, your bottom line if you wanted to get into this world for any, I, I think, like, 3000 bucks, 3500 bucks. Then you got to buy your, your battery packs and your helmets and your mounts and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, you have EOTech who makes like the quad tubes that everybody sees in like the video games and on movies and shit. And those things are $50,000. Damn. Right. So you're in a, you're in a wide spectrum of price range and stuff like that. And I mean, they even, they're coming up with new stuff now, man. Um, you can have the night vision. So like, these are actually white phosphorus tubes. So like a lot of people kind of correlate night vision with that green. Um, so Mm. that's green phosphorus. You got white phosphorus. And I think there might even be another color, dude, but they have so you get like you put this on and you could put what's like a thermal overlay device on this thing and what that does is you will still get like the white or the green of the night vision but if i roll across an animal or a person or anything with a heat signature it will outline with an orange line to show that hey there's something over there like this stuff it's nuts man it's it's straight like video game stuff it really is 
That sounds fun, though. I would imagine that it, it kind of brings people into the whole world. It does, man. It, and it gets the um, – so, like, in the firearms world right now, you have this mixture. Right? You got like, – I don't want to call it two sides, but it's just kind of how I'm viewing it, my opinion on it. You got, like, all the old – older guys with like your deer hunters and your shotgun guys and your stuff like that. But you have this entire new generation of younger kids who want to do this kind of high speed level of training, who want to have all the cool rifles, who want to have all the cool night vision stuff. And there's a big divide there right now. It's they're batting heads a lot. So it's, it's kind of even weird to find places to do stuff like this, which is we're grateful for um, the place out in Garrisonville in Ohio, where we do this. It's a great facility, Southington. Uh, it's a great range. They have a nice little outdoor quarry. They got all the facilities for camping out and tenting over. Um, nice pavilion to kind of hold everything in. Uh, and last year, dude, we had, I think when I talked to either JW or Doc, they said they sold like all 250 tickets and they had to like stop. Wow. And I think we had like over like 208, like over like just over 200 people actually ended up showing up. And uh, that was just manageable. So we got more personnel this year. We're making it a two day. We're hoping to have more people and we'll see how it turns yeah. out, dude. We'll see how it turns What's out. The, so there's a, you said there's a difference between like an older generation and the younger generations and their perspective towards this? Yeah. What, is it, what do you mean? Simply put, dude, everything that we do with firearms now in the realm of like drawing the gun and moving while we're shooting and stuff like that, yeah. that stuff's all dangerous to them. Does that make oh, sense? Okay. Uh, these guys were taught, you know, come on to the bench get your sights onto the trigger, press the trigger, come out every time, right? You're doing that. And when I get hunters that come in and train with me, that's the biggest thing that I have to break with them, dude. They literally, they will, if I want them to shoot five rounds, I don't, they don't just go one, two, three, four, five. They go, uh, and they bring the finger out. They go back in and they do another shot and they come back out. And I'm like, guys, no, shoot five rounds straight through. And that it, it's, it's the mentality towards it, right? So when I was at the club, man, me and the board bashed heads a lot because it was just a lot of the older generation. And I've never had any sort of incident. I've never had anybody leave any of my training or any of these big massive events that we do with any new holes in them or bleeding out or anything like that. So, you know, what I started just telling these old guys was like, guys, yeah, this stuff's dangerous, but we need to learn to do dangerous things carefully if we want to be any sort of effective with these things. I, I think just standing in a stall and, you know, shooting your 50 or 100 rounds every few months is not really preparing you for much, except for being a good target shooter. You know, when you really start getting into this stuff, we, we do like stress shoots with kettlebells and sandbags and we'll get heart rates elevated and stuff. And it's like, all right, now you're going to go to that cone. You're going to shoot those three targets. You're going to move over to that cone. You're going to shoot these three targets. And I look at this just as like a skill set developing, man. Because that's all really shooting a gun is. It's a skill. You know, if I can develop that skill, it's one less thing people will have to think about, you know, when shit's getting weird. So, like, introducing those stress shoots, getting their heart rate elevated, getting them breathing a little bit heavier, kind of helps me simulate that adrenaline rush that everybody's going to get if, if shit gets weird. Um, gets the brain a little bit foggy. And instead of me going, hey, just shoot this one target, I'm having you move. I'm having you select multiple targets, right? You now have to think while you're fatigued before you shoot we can't just be shooters yeah. man i'll quote travis haley on this thinkers before shooters got to be thinkers first man you like got to have a good mentality towards this stuff and like we said about learning to do dangerous things but carefully mm -hmm. now the same as same perspective with my kids because i let my kids do some dangerous shit that other parents would shake their heads at like uh 
giving my kids machetes to chop the weeds down. But cool, dude. Your kids <laughs> will be harder than everybody else's kids. They also need to learn how to hold knives and cut things and you know shoot BB guns and mm-hmm. archery. My kids are into archery and shooting BB guns and all that kind of stuff. If you guys want but, to do a lesson with the kids too, man, bring the kids along because I have those training pistols and stuff that we can get them started on. So why do you think guys or just anyone listening, what, what would be a good reason for them to consider buying a firearm, getting into this, starting to learn more about this world? Like in your opinion as a firearms coach, why should they consider getting into this? It's that level of security, man. And if, if you get into it without the intentions of going like full into it, I, I tell people it's like a false sense of security. But if you get into this stuff and you get really good at it, man, it's just like with the jujitsu, how you said you're super confident, you know, going into any sort of situation with like a bar and stuff. If, you know, I tell people, and, and again, you know, I want to make this very clear. I don't think that this is like a first resort thing. This is the absolute last resort. But if you find yourself in that situation where, you know, your brain starts racing, you're like, well, man, if I don't do something like somebody's going to get severely hurt, somebody's going to get killed. Um, you know, if you train with this thing and you make good decisions, you know, hopefully, you know, that day the law's on your side. Um, but training is important, man. And again, I do kind of get down with people, you know, the world is getting a little weirder. Um, you know, you're, you're seeing all these mass shootings kind of happening and, you know, it's all these mentally ill people. And, you know, what I tell people is do not have the, it can never happen to me mentality or that it can never happen here mentality because it can fucking happen anywhere. You don't, you don't get to pick and choose that time and date. Right. And if it goes down, would you rather be prepared or would you rather, you know, die on your fucking knees i guess right i'm not a die on my knees kind of dude and we we've used the word a lot guys a lot man and i know this is like a rising father thing but dudes get the wives involved man i will tell you what i have a ton of female clients and i'm gonna break everybody's heart most of them will Uh shoot men Mm -hmm. (laughs) yep sorry guys sorry guys just that's how it works yeah, Sarah loved it. When Sarah had her lesson, she loved it. She was you like, I gotta awesome. keep doing this. Yeah, that was a, we did the little uh we did the we did the dry lesson at the gym. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, that was good. Whenever you guys are ready, man, I'm always floating around. We're getting back into it. So where should got anybody, where should anyone contact you to about getting coaching or anything you want them to know? Easiest way to contact me, man. I know with like social media and stuff with the gun stuff, if you're trying to do anything informative, uh, that stuff's kinda getting shut down. Um, but you can reach me through my website, 412firearmstraining.com. Um, when you pull it up, it'll be a hard point page. And the easiest way to get a hold of me is scroll down to the bottom of that homepage. There's a get in touch section. You can fill that out. The email comes directly to my phone. And if I don't get to you right away, I will get you an answer, though. Perfect. Thanks, man.